Radio. I'm your host, Super Vegan Brian, and I am joined by David the Yabold the Third. Hey, everybody. Kirsty Smurferka. And after a long wait where I could barely contain myself, we are finally joined by tabletop RPG writer and editor Savannah Broadway. Savant Hello. of Broadway. <laughs> My the new X Men code name. <laughs> I will. If you want to hear the backstory about why how that nickname formed you can listen to the bonus episode on patreon at patreon.com slash nerd podcast radio um for soon to plug our patreon and for listeners really organically worked in there man well done and for (laughs) listeners who don't know who you are why don't you give a short intro about yourself uh so as we discussed at the uh, the beginning of our meeting uh i got my start in the rpg sphere via being a paizo intern uh, and from there, I've gone on to write and edit and sometimes develop because math is terrible. Uh, various RPG settings for various folks. Uh, I've worked for Rogue Genius, Write Publishing, you know, all that good jazz. And currently, I'm the managing editor, chief cook and bottle washer over at the Gate Pass Gazette, uh, put out by Ian Publishing, which focuses on their alteration to 5th edition D&D level up. And that's like a 10-year journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been a hot minute. It was... uh, it was kind of wild. I actually misread the job posting uh, for intern on the Paizo website, and that's the only reason why I applied, and then things just sort of happened. So uh, They wanted you to be local, and of course, Paizo works out of Redmond, Washington, and I lived in Illinois. Mm. Uh, so things things happened, and that summer, I went out to be an intern. It was like one of the best three months of my life. Are you still in Illinois? Uh, I am not. I went back uh, after my summer internship, finished up my English degree at uh, SIU in Southern Illinois, if anyone has read or watched American Gods. Yes. Um, so you, they talk about Cairo, yes. uh, our north of Cairo. Oh, gotcha. Uh, they, they do call it Little Egypt. You can ask four people and get five answers as to why. <laughs> uh, and our mascot was the uh, Saluki, which are sight hounds supposedly used by the pharaohs. And like their big marketing shtick was there's only one Saluki. So there you go. Now, do you have a gaming background that led to your interest in interning at Paizo? So it actually sort of happened later well, I won't say like later in life because I was like 17 when it happened and that would be silly uh, but no so if anyone was wondering the satanic panic is still alive and well in rural Illinois uh, and so for the longest time when I was a little bit I found my dad uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons art book uh, because my dad's a sketch artist uh, and I just fell in love with the concept but because I lived in the middle of 
nowhere where people thought D&D was the devil, uh, I didn't actually get to play until I was like a senior in high school. Uh, so no, not really. Yeah, that tracks. I will tell you in the Midwest, like it's not so much now, like at least in uh, the Ohio area or was, I don't know. I'm in Texas now. But um, when I was growing up in Ohio, it was like that too. Like we had like seven people that you knew in total and it was always word of mouth and it was always talked about like real low like you had to you had to like guess that they might be into it like if they played like certain video games and stuff like that then you'd be Mm. like hey uh (laughs) what about what about this? You- <laughs> like a nerdy drug deal. It's exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. Yeah, like yeah, a I... little, little baggies of dice. Yeah. What's like the, what, the the coded languages of the homosexual subcultures in England in the 50s? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Oh, the handkerchief messages and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You're like, you're a total NPC. What's that? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly kind of what it was like. It was uh, very interesting. So to hear that it's alive and well in uh, Illinois makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. That's actually why I got started on Pathfinder, because the group that I was wanting to play with, I told them, I'm like, okay, guys, my parents are going to freak out if we play D&D. And so the running excuse was, well, it's not D&D, it's it's Pathfinder. <laughs> yes. It's different. And, you know, my parents didn't know D&D from the hole in the ground, so. You're not the first in, uh, former intern I've chatted with that got into gaming through it. It's really cool that you managed to get have that journey and get into the industry. It's, it's such a fascinating story. I, I'm totally impressed. <laughs> It's a, a trial against adversity. Well, um, we're going to talk about something that's going to involve gaming, involve writing, involve art. We're going to talk about creativity today. But first... But first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where everybody talks about the nerdiest thing they've done in the last two weeks, and we vote using the patented Mike Myler widget system. <laughs> How's the widget system work? Since there's four of us, you get five widgets. You hand them out. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah. Well, so we're, but, we're playing but a then, Munchausen, but nerdy. But then again, but it then is again, not. <laughs> there are secret rules that get thrown out. There's an entire hidden menu. And there's also a improv rule. So, yeah. It's a fun game, and it and and um, we'll all get crushed by the guests, which usually happens. <laughs> And for that reason, guests go first. So, <laughs> so oh, well, no pressure. <laughs> so what's been nerding with you in the last few weeks? Uh, I would say that the nerdiest thing I have done recently is I was playing Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity while listening to the History of Byzantium podcast while playing um, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp on my phone during loading screens which is maybe the most ADHD thing I've done in the past. Oh, <laughs> I shit you not. So when I do this, I take little notes so I can remember what the person did. <laughs> and I just wrote ADHD next to your name. <laughs> Perfect. You know, I, I actually was just diagnosed last year. When uh, last year? What's up? When last year? I was diagnosed in December. Oh, gosh. I think it was like January? Yeah. Or I think I think that's when we started the journey. Uh, but it occurred to me over the course of the pandemic, because, you know, you suddenly lose all of this outside structure and don't know what to do with yourself. Um, but yeah, no. 
know. Uh, turns out my partner knew all along and thought that I knew. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, Laurel, I might have ADHD. And he's like, yeah, yes, you do. How did you not know this? <laughs> Wait, you mean you didn't know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, yes, that that is the note, ADHD. That's a major multitasking. That's a major multitasking. That's... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I We've been house hunting. I've had a lot of nervous jitters to work off, and the more jitters, the more multitasking happens. But anyway, how's everyone else's two weeks been? So, David, you're up. Oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> uh, the nerdiest thing I did, I actually got to play in a game of uh, Pathfinder last week on Saturday. Instead of having to GM, I actually got to play. And it was epic. We killed a... Uh, oh, shit. We... Uh, <sighs> And I will clarify that this is first edition Pathfinder. Yes, it is. First edition <laughs> Pathfinder. Um, oh, crap. Uh, the underwater fish slug boss thing. Abolith. We killed the ab- we killed an Abolith at like level six or seven. It was terrifying. <laughs> but, oh, man, that was a great fight. <laughs> Excellent. We're playing uh, Ruins of Aslant, I think. Ah, the, nice. the one we're currently on the island setting up a colony. I don't think I know that one. Uh, that's a fun one. I'm playing a uh, swashbuckler, uh, an undyed swashbuckler. It's fun. One, one thing about my ADHD is I tend to delete things from my brain when they're no longer relevant. So since I've been playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I don't remember any of the names <laughs> of the APs or... Ah. The rules, or if I played one, it would come back. But it's like somebody mentioned. Um, somebody mentioned um, that adventure in the Arabian area, and I was like, Mommy's "Wasn't that like the third AP?" <laughs> yeah, m- m- mummies or something. Well, that's yeah. Osirian. Yeah, I'm talking about the oh. the 3.5 one. Oh gosh, I don't know. Yeah, oh, um, 3.5 one. It was like the fourth AP. I I know they I know they redid the Tomb of Horrors. No, this uh, was this uh, was um this was an adventure path, a Pathfinder adventure path, and it was like. Hmm. I don't know. I'd have Legacy to look. of Fire? I'd have to look it up. Legacy I don't know. of Fire, I think. I think it was called. It was Quadira or something like that. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Had an F read on the cover of the first book. Well, see, it comes back when you think about it. Um, <laughs> Erica, what about you? Okay. So I have I have what I think was fun because it involved my kids. And then I have an honorable mention. So what was fun because it involved my kiddos is I got to take my kids to medieval times for the first time. Hey, love that place. Yeah. And they had an absolute blast. And we had the grand night. So it was even better. Nice. Um, he's always a bad guy, for those who don't know. And so, <laughs> uh, the kids were screaming and yelling, and Rowan was flabbergasted that she had to eat with her fingers and wasn't sure about the whole situation. <laughs> um, but it was very, very fun. We did that uh, for Lee's uh, 15th birthday. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she wanted to do. So it was very, very exciting. That's, that's sweet. That was my nerdy thing. I got to share medieval times with my children. That is pretty darn nerdy. Um, my honorable mention is this is how my morning started at work. One of my, I know I kind of sent this to you guys earlier, but my morning started with a question out of the blue at 9 a.m. from my uh, co-worker, John. And uh, oh, let me scroll all the way up, all the way up. <laughs> Very long conversation. Um, he goes, is, is the Maya that helped Nori Gandalf or that Nori helped Gandalf? Question mark. Because he's rewatching 
the Rings of Power. And I have mentioned several times that I have read the Silmarillion like at least five yeah. times at this point, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it sounds like nonsense words unless you know what he's talking about. And as soon as you know what he's talking about, it's an actual question. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So that conversation started at 9.02. By the way, I was supposed to be working on a lot of stuff. And this went back and forth until about 12 o'clock where I ended trying to answer his question about the undying land where I'm like, or he's like, why can't they just sail there? And I was like, okay, so that so in the first stage, they could travel between Middle Earth and Valinor regularly. I was like, and then a bunch of shit went down. <laughs> And it got cut off. I was like, so elves don't actually die of old age. They like choose to die because they're immortal. I was like, and this and these lands are where the trees that first lit up the world were. And then they got destroyed by Mar- Morgoth. And then it created the sun. And, the, and then the sun and moon were created from the remnants of the trees. So it's really like the magic that keeps Valinor in a perpetual spring. This is the reason it becomes difficult to travel there. I was like, because it got cut off from the rest of the world. I was like, but also, can we talk about this later? I have work to do. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how much you knew about Lord of the Rings. Uh, Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, her her knowledge level appears to be uh, Colbarian. How come you didn't win the Trivial Pursuit game? When did we play the Trivial Pursuit game? With your dad and Matt and and oh, you like and you because I had only read them once at that point. Oh, okay. And at this point, I have read The Lord of the Rings cover to cover, not including listening to it as I fall asleep at night because it's my comfort book. Um, about fifteen times and the Cimmerillion five times at this I, point. I, I read it all just about every year, so <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there you go. And so and so that was my honorable mention. Those are the questions I get at work. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Nice. Uh Brian, what's uh, what's right with you? Um I was going to describe it and I still will for the listeners, but I can share a picture of the thing. Um so it's my wife's birthday today oh, and yeah. damn it, I'm a terrible sister. <laughs> um I'm gonna I'm gonna share the picture. Okay. And then I'll describe it. I promise listeners. This is what I got Heather for her birthday. <laughs> that does require some description. <laughs> so that's great. This would be a statue of a cat savaging a bunch of garden gnomes. Classic. Uh, with one of them shaking a rolling pin at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one of them is like playing dad or dad. That's that's glorious. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with it, but the Etsy page has, has some great suggestions. I mean... Oh my god, that's so good. There's some ideas. I mean, yeah. clearly the other thing that needs to happen is this needs to be like an adventure stat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this reminds me of, Bray? What? Pocket dragons. Oh yeah, yeah. The, um, so Erica's dad collected these amazing pocket dragon things. They're limited edition little statues, little cute little dragons with different professions and they're they're amazing they're like the dnd gate geek precious moment doll <laughs> statuary nice they're adorable and fabulous and i just talked to my dad the other day and when i see him again i'm gonna get the rest of them because his wife won't let him have pocket dragons anymore so i get to uh free them and are they... we sure that's not grounds for divorce uh... it's, a, it's a topic for the bonus episode is what that is <laughs> that's that's complicated <laughs> 
<laughs> and he comes on the show sometimes, so I think he would appreciate it if we didn't. <laughs> didn't what? Oh, go into the whole pocket dragons can't have them thing. That's that that is right material for bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. No, don't don't make it bigger than it is. That's ridiculous. No, it's simple. He had all these pocket dragons and they were all over the house and it was his form of decoration because he was a bachelor. And then he got married and he wasn't a bachelor. And it also became his wife's house. And so she decided she did not want them all over the place. It's that simple. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, but he had to get rid of all of them. He didn't get rid of them. <laughs> waiting to come home with me. Exactly. They've been adopted. Yeah. They're passing down through the family. And when I die, the kids will get them. They'll be pocket dragons in our house for it. It's a really nice collection. It is. It's huge. I guess I'm just bitter that I'm not getting any. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, the, the real truth comes out. dragons. Like, when you would walk in the house, no matter where you look, there'd be a tiny porcelain dragon hidden where. Wow. Yeah, there and there, and he had some rare ones. Mm-hmm. Well, has. Mm-hmm. They don't make them anymore, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, it is time for voting. This is easy enough to do. Savannah, you have five widgets. Who do you give them to and why? Mm, I think I'm going to have to give them uh, to Erica on the strength of the Cimmerillion honorable mention. Uh, the Medieval Times, of course, is a lovely example of geekery, but I also have to say that people who have read the Cimmerillion more than once are terrifying creatures to be respected. All five to Erica? <laughs> awesome. Cool. David? Uh, I'm going to give three to Erica because her knowledge of the Cimmerillion is great, and then I'm going to give two to Savannah because holy shit, that is also nerdy. <laughs> um, Erica? I am going to give uh, one to David because yay, you got to play. And I'm going to give uh, two to Savannah because I live with everybody in my house having ADHD, and so the fact that you didn't know was adorable. <laughs> I probably could have spent about an hour with you and went, hey, you know you have ADHD, right? Uh, um, they've been folding paper stars literally this entire time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give uh, my last two to you, Bri, for getting Heather an awesome gift. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, no, that it, was, that it, was, it was a good laugh. Uh, and um, I will give, I don't know, it's hard because between Savannah and Erica. Oh, yeah. That's I'm, it. like, super equally impressed. Right? Um, so if I give... I'm, I'm getting a message on my screen. Apparently, it's an instant message from the widgets. They're telling you to use six. If I give four... <laughs> if I give four to Savannah and two to Erica, it's a tie. <laughs> no, that works, too. I, I can live with that. That works, too. Yeah. It, well, I, I don't think I've heard anyone say there did that many things at the same time before, and... <laughs> I'm nerdy though. Thoroughly impressed by the Lord of the Rings. The fact that all three of them were nerdy things is like the trifecta. I mean, come on. I think that's fair. That's fair. You're playing a game while playing a game while listening to a very serious podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I thoroughly recommend the history of Byzantium. Like Robin has a very like dulcet tone. One negative widget to Savannah Wynn. Okay. She gave herself a negative widget. Jesus. (laughs) Wow. You don't see the sacrifice play that often. And the true the true winner is kindness. The okay. friends we made along the way. So Savannah, when the widgets apparate, um, do not feed them after midnight, and for God's sake, keep them above eighty degrees Fahrenheit. And if they if they happen to get anywhere near a blender, just don't inhale. <laughs> 
Well, okay then. You know, I always wondered, so if you're not supposed to feed them after midnight, does mm-hmm. the clock reset at dawn? Because yes. Because no one ever actually says, no, and no, I feel uh, like that needs to be specified. I will send a manual of a PDF to you. It's, uh, like, it's in there. It's Excellent. like Dresden Files rules, like the sun comes up and it washes the magic away. Mm. I like that, yeah. Yeah. The- My parrot is a scremlin, or she turns into a scremlin after nine o'clock. Ah, don't get them wet either. No. <laughs> she bailed into a bowl that uh, it had had lasagna in it, and it was in the sink to soak, and she just jumped right in it. Oh, so no. Don't worry. She will give herself a bath. <laughs> she smelled like Italian seasoning for like three days. <laughs> That's a very creative description of how a bird smelled. <laughs> Speaking wow. of creativity. Wow. <laughs> Segway. Jesus. No, that wasn't even a segue. That was a hoverboard. <laughs> 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 That's the new distinction now. Thank you. <laughs> ah, boom, I broke Brian. Yes. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. It took me a second to get it, too. It's, a, it's, it's especially good. Uh, so creativity is used in art, writing, video game design, GM, and content creation, etc. We create it work and it... For new has finished running. <laughs> That's that's staying in the edit. Okay. <laughs> I I don't even have a Roomba in the room. It was just the Google <laughs> Mini talking. Um. So yeah, creativity for lots of stuff. Blah blah blah. <laughs> the Roomba I for you is finished running. <laughs> I mean, somebody made a video game about a murderous Roomba. So you know. I mean, to give an off-the-cuff, non-scripted introduction, creativity is how David came up with that wasn't a segue, it was a hoverboard. <laughs> oh, it's still funny the second time. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, it'll probably be funny the third, and then it won't be funny anymore on the fourth. Yeah, that's usually how that comes goes. comes back at like the eighth or ninth time. Yeah. Yeah, in about two months, it'll be, it'll be nice and fresh again. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, that Proclaimers song. The, yeah. 500 miles, yeah. Oh, God. Miles. I don't know how long we can sing it before, like... I really wouldn't go much further than that. I I think you get, what, 15 seconds? I don't want to test it. I don't want to test it. I think there's no clear-cut rule, but they generally let it go if someone just starts a song and stops a song. I don't care. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Savannah, where do ideas come from? Oh, well, gosh. first you have a mommy and a daddy, and then. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in the '80s, it was there was a line of cocaine. <laughs> I mean, I mushrooms are going to be legal in, in Washington here soon. So. Awesome. A valid answer is um, first sip of coffee. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot. So from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm, I mean, we've been talking a lot about ADHD, so I don't mean to like be a broken record, but I feel like that is one of the bonuses. Uh, it's often, of course, been described as having a race car brain uh, with bicycle brakes. Uh, and I would say that is probably why a lot of us are so very creative because we make so many disparate connections so fast. Uh, so I'd say personally, that's where a lot of it comes from for me. I want to send this question around the room. So we'll move on to David. Where do ideas right. come from? I, you know, it's hard to say. Ideas come to me 
in the moment, I my brain, I think something will be funny. Oftentimes, I can't stop myself from saying it before I, it get, before it goes. So uh, off, sometimes they land, other times they don't. <laughs> it is always awkward when they don't. And it's like, well, I mean, that it was funny in my head. <laughs> to my sister with the psychology degree, where do ideas come from? Oh man, don't. I mean, she would know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have a <laughs> my job. I'm a marketer, right? So like my job is to be creative and i will tell you that there's a lot of times where like i hit roadblock um and for me it's kind of a weird process because I will often take like a walk and think about literally anything but what I'm supposed to be working on. Literally anything. Doesn't matter what it is. And then I'll come back and I'll sit down and I will close my eyes and whatever the first image that pops into my head is, I will take it and try to apply it to whatever I'm doing. So it could be something super random. Like I did a thing with a dog uh, with his head out the window wearing goggles um, for a marketing campaign, which was hugely successful, strangely enough. Um, (laughs) But just you know, just random, random things because I'm a, I visualize everything. And I think Brian, I've told you this before. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've told you. Like, as people are talking to me, like Savannah, as you were telling your story, I wasn't looking at you. I was literally like staring off into space and watching this cartoon version of you (laughs) do all the different things that you were doing. So whenever somebody explains anything or I read a book or like even if I'm watching TV and I'm seeing the the images, often my brain will start going somewhere else and I'll start creating a path. So anytime anybody says anything to me, I'm visualizing it in my head. Um, That's just how my creativity works. That's how... I absorb information. So isn't it? Oh gosh, or do they call it hyperphantasia? I think where you can like visualize lots of things as opposed to aphantasia, where people like don't have a mental image of a thing. Yeah, and there's yeah. one for if you can't hear a voice, like you can't have an inner narration. You you can. Mm. See, there's I can't no... turn mine off sometimes, and that's yeah. the hard part. There right? are people who can't <laughs> like. Like when they read, they don't hear the words in their head. Like that one is hard for me. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, I also have. That. I also have uh, synesthesia when it comes to like listening to music. Mm. That's why I'll often close my eyes when listening to music because I'll start seeing colors. Oh wow! Okay, that sounds really compelling. I mean. It is until you get overwhelmed. That's the thing is I get overwhelmed with sound really, really easily. Brian's seen me do this. I'll be like, everybody stop (laughs) because too many people are talking at once or like there's music and then there's background noise of like a refrigerator or a stove or this or that. And if there's too much all at once, like I visually get overwhelmed and I cannot think. It's it's very it's very interesting. I'll say that for sure. Overstimulation's a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, what about you? There are a number of processes I use personally to get ideas. Um, I'll brainstorm on paper. I'll call a friend and say, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. Um, if I'm trying to come up with a creative solution to a problem, I go through a troubleshooting paradigm. Um, for complex projects, I use a paradigm called the natural planning model. So for me, it's generally organized and methodical. On occasion, I get hit by an idea. That's nice. I can't explain where those come from always. I called David yesterday 
and mm-hmm. was like, I have a great idea for a podcast episode. I'm not going to share what that is here because it needs to be a surprise. It's going to uh, be fun. I'll talk about it on the bonus episode. Um, but even there, it'll be a little vague. Oh, yeah. um, but I called David and said, I have an idea. And that idea just hit me. The alternate universe where we did that already told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I don't know. If you're the kind of person who thinks I can't get ideas and creativity, there's methods and you have to learn how to do those. I had to learn how to do the methods to push ideas. Yeah, but, I was going to say, I feel like part of creativity is definitely learn. Um, so Some people credit illicit substances for helping their creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a number of questions going through my head, but that's not how we do this show. Um, I'm going to give the floor to Zavanna to ask a question to the room, and you can answer that one first. (laughs) All right, so you want me to pose a a question to y'all? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, Let's see. How would you say that your, like, creative process has improved like over the years like i know brian you mentioned that like you had to learn to like do these methods and stuff but like what are things that you learned that have been helpful to the process well david why don't you go first and then we'll flip back to savannah We'll okay. Um, I've always been fairly creative. I've always been good with my hands. I've always built things, even as a child. But then, as I got older and I started getting into Dungeons and Dragons and game mastering, I actually took a couple of uh, improv classes that really helped with my on-the-fly GMing and being able to deal with the absolute complete left field curveballs your party throws at you sometimes <laughs> if i could have one impractical piece of advice for gms it would be take an improv class yes like, it helped it, it helped dramatically thing. it helped dramatically and it's it you know, my comedy timing got better being able to read what works and what what kind of things work with people and what doesn't is nice <laughs> well and like that attitude of yes and oh well, yeah so it's that, 100%. Like, as, a, as a gm you're not like working a against your players it's like well no we're we're all in this together it's a thing mm-hmm. never deny the premise yeah exactly yeah and i mean the biggest thing is don't be afraid to just say yes yeah sure yeah i want to do it this way okay sure you never deny it but it's okay to put it through a blender mm, exactly you know that's fair oh gosh what was it was it nobilis there was some game where like part of the rules of being the game master is when a player proposes something you should not say no like, you can say, yes, and, and yes, but, mm-hmm. uh, or, like, yes, with this weird twist, but, like, don't just yeah. deny it. Uh, they also helped to have uh, the ability to plan in ways to make those kinds of things seem a lot more seamless and on the fly than they really are. Like, if you're coming towards, a, if you you have your players, you're coming towards a city, and you build a, you build a city, and then they go, oh, no, we're not going to go there, we're going to go somewhere else. Well, okay, fine. Erase name on city you've built. Write in name of new place. Hey, welcome to your welcome to the city. Yup, or like in a dungeon or something. Like choose left or right or whatever. It's like yeah, exactly, yeah. Pick a direction. Okay, yep. you went this way. Awesome. Here's where it goes, and it's the oh same. Oh my banner. God, I that is the dirty little secret of GMing. It's just <laughs> no matter what the players choose, you're already going to do it anyway. <laughs> Yes. That's what it was for Noblis. It was yes, maybe, and you can try. The, yeah. You can try is one of my favorite, like, oh, yeah. tech. But I, I had this group so scared at one point, they were poking every door they found with a 10-foot pole before they even approached it. 
wonderful. I've watched a lot of Brennan Lee Mulligan GMing, and often he says, that's awesome. But he says it all the time, so you know it's his yes end. Uh-huh. It's his way of making like himself it. think though, so he can say what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we have a role in our group. Because we, you know, as marketers, we have like group creative um, sessions every week. And we have a rule that no matter what anybody says, whatever idea they say, you have to love it for four or five minutes. For five minutes, you cannot mm. have a negative thought about whatever it is that they want to do or what they say. You have to love it. And by loving it, that means you have to expand on it. And it's okay. very helpful when you're doing creative group projects because it's very easy to go. Yeah, but that won't work because of blah, blah, blah. Mm. Right. But interesting. if everybody has to love it for five minutes and add to it so that yes, and essentially, then you could fully explore an idea before you would kill it because there may be pieces of it that would work in conjunction with other things that are more viable for whatever project you're on oh yeah that makes sense yeah uh, i think one of my other favorite ways of creativity in a DD setting at least is uh, uh uh if your players try and pull some some bullshit of oh well that's not what they're supposed to do you go yeah you're right weird isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i find that a good one is also like don't for lack of a better term don't be afraid to like take credit for slash run with happenstance yes uh i don't know if any of y'all have played dread i have i love that game uh so for context for everybody else uh it's an rpg game where your your randomness mechanic is a jenga tower and whenever you need to do something where you would usually roll you pull from the Jenga tower one or more times. And obviously it's often used for suspense games and horror games and blah, blah, blah. And as a birthday present to our forever GM, I would run a dread game for her every year. And I, I always like came in costume. I did sound design, blah, blah, blah. Nice. And at some point it was an Arctic or an Antarctic adventure. <laughs> and there were wolves, which yes, there shouldn't have been, but isn't that weird? Uh, But I had uh, two different sounds going on at the same time, and the wolves cut out before I meant them to. And when they did, everybody stopped and was like, are they fun? What happened to the wolves? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know, are they? (laughs) Do you want to look outside? That's great. And at some point, they were like, yeah, no, I I thought that the audio just cut out there for a second. I'm like, no. (laughs) I've never had the opportunity to play it but one of the coolest stories i've ever heard was there were people playing dread in like a slasher situation where it was like a jason Voorhees type thing mm-hmm. and it was like it was like um they they were at a gas station and um they they go okay we um we pay and the and the game master goes okay pull three and it's like oh. <laughs> everybody oh. was terrified but it was <laughs> it was the most it was the most mundane thing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. I, I have to say that Jenga Tower is probably one of the most powerful randomizers ever. Most power. Actually, I would say it's the most powerful battery fueling 
a powerful engine fueling tension in a game ever. I played in a game one time where I don't, this was the first time I'd met this person, Jenga Savant. Like, his character was basically fucking Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Stop and look at the tower, wouldn't like do anything, and then would just pull. Like, no wobble, no nothing. Beautiful. See, at at Renfair, we play a game called Towers, which Mm -hmm. is Jenga, but we use pieces of two by four to make the set. So the tower is like three feet tall. And then as an added bonus, uh, we don't pick which blocks to pull. We have to we have to grab people from the audience and ask them to choose which block that we pull. Oh. And then we can't use our hands. We have to use whatever we've got on us, our tools and our knives and our our spoons and uh, whatever we have on us. Why? Yeah, because so, it's a show. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, wild. It's called Towers. It's so much fun. <laughs> that, wow. That sounds slightly hazardous. Like well, that much wood trying to fall on you. Well, the whole thing is, is well, you have to clear an area around so it's just you and the other person. Yeah, you have safety training for that. Yes. Yeah. We do, actually. Good. Also, because we're better. using also because we're using blades. I mean, they're blunted, but they're still blades. Right. <laughs> uh, one of the players on the team I was on uh, was, was a, a noble woman, so she had a sword. Mm-hmm. So we were able to use a sword. <laughs> nice. Which is useful when you have to clear off two blocks in a row. You can do both sides real quick, and it'll just oh, drop straight down. That's true. I like Add that. Add some showmanship to it. Always mm-hmm. fun. And there are just some people in the audience that just want to see the world burn. <laughs> yep, yep. How they, will, they, they, they will pick the one block that you have to remove that's holding the entire tower. <laughs> How long have you been working at Renfair, David? Uh, this coming season will be my seventh season. Wow. Um, I have a confession to make. I don't remember what the question was. We were talking about, uh, that, Dread and that other things. That tangent but... went deep. That had nothing to do with the question. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> that was the tangent. Uh, so to take a step back, the question was initially, how do you think you've improved on your creative process? Yes. Like through the years. Uh, I think we made it around the horn. Hasn't gone to me. Oh, it hasn't, Brian. Yeah. Um, Apologies. So I think I've improved tremendously because I have been building systems in my life to manage my ADHD for a really long time. And I had a job that I was doing very poorly in and had a manager that wrote me up a very detailed 30-day action plan that helped me to motivate myself to buy a bunch of books and learn a bunch of productivity skills, including a lot of creativity skills, because I'm an IT support guy, which requires a lot of creativity because I'm troubleshooting. Um, and I, I think my creativity skyrocketed then, but I think the biggest thing that really helped me were um, books on historical power plays um books uh there's this series of books by an author named robert green that they're basically terrible skills by by terrible people throughout history um one of them's called the 48 laws of power one of I've them's heard, called I've heard of that one. the art of seduction um hip-hop, hip-hop people really like them <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Not but, on my bingo card, but cool. Very general. Yeah. Uh, it It's basically, well, I mean. It's like how to win friends and influence it's people. The modern, it's the modern Machiavelli. That's the best way to describe it, that you would understand it. It's the modern The Prince. It's basically a guidebook for being a bastard. Yeah. It's how to win friends and influence people. Reading those books really helped me to, um, like, level myself. I don't know why. It was... 
I did never followed any of the techniques in the books, but learning about historical people who had like that much self-control to manipulate people helped me to learn self-control to manipulate myself. If that kind makes any sense. Kind of the hyper focus ever. Yeah. <laughs> nice. um, like props. Well, like, there's there were stories in there about terrible people that helped me to learn how to avoid drama. There were stories in there about like Louis the Fourteenth who would just silence treatment silent treatment people to death, which helped me to learn self control for talking too much. Stuff like that. Um, I think my that's when I learned really how to brainstorm. When I learned about the natural planning model, which was from uh the GTD paradigm, which is getting things done by a guy named David Allen. Um, I learned about real brainstorming where you're not just writing down random ideas, you're writing down random ideas based on a desired outcome um or if you can't think of a desired outcome the purpose of the thing you're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. and it's recursive so if you can't think of the purpose you can use the natural planning model to figure out what the purpose is interesting yeah so i, I realize that's what i do well it's based on how the brain works so yeah, yeah. It's it's based on how most people actually figure things out, but it, it helps you go, why am I stuck? Okay, let's do this in this order where, you know, some people just do that naturally, but it it's one of those things that everyone gets stuck on occasion and lets you kind of step back and go, okay, what's my purpose? What's the out what's the desired outcome? Then okay, I'm gonna brainstorm and then I'm gonna organize these ideas, and then I'm gonna figure out what my next physical action is to move forward on it. When I'm planning a D and D campaign, I go, Okay, where is this gonna go? When I'm planning a character to play in a D and D campaign, I go, What fart joke do I want this character to be based on? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. The first ones you ever make are always the epic ones. And then, you know, 10 years down the line, it's John farts a lot. I the, my last few characters have all been based on puns. Like I'm playing the Mealchemist right now. God, I hate you so much. It oh, is cat folk too. That's so good. It so I have a friend who's obsessed with the word meow, and I asked him what character you should play, and he said something with a meow pun, and I went, all right, what about a meowchemist? That led me to a catfolk alchemist, which led me to making an alchemist that has a good charisma, which in all the optimization guide says they don't need it. And it's been fun as hell. It's been absolutely fun as hell, but I like playing face characters. So yeah, high intelligence, uh, primary intelligence, then charisma, then um, uh, dex, which... There have been very little things I haven't been able to do in game. It's been one of the most like versatile, fun characters I've ever played because it's like, how are you good at everything? Well, I'm not good at nature checks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just got played I, your string. Yeah. Uh, how, how are you good at everything? I don't do things I'm not good at. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> See, I have I have a problem with no matter what type of character I try to create because of the way my brain works, I always end up twisting whatever character it is to to how I normally would act in real life. I have not cracked the code to playing somebody completely opposite of me. God, it sounds like your brain is trying to tell you to write about yourself. <laughs> Why? I, that's a terrible... I, I don't think there's anything wrong with embracing that. Just looking for the different, as different aspects of yourself you want to portray. Well, I've actually... Um, oh, another game. <laughs> what were you going to say, I, Savannah? Oh, I uh, dated a guy one time, and like he played the same character 
basically for every game. And the oh. same character was basically himself. Oh. Uh, and that was one that was connected to one of the reasons why we ultimately broke up. But anyway, say, how big of a douche was he? <laughs> uh, he was just boring. Like uh. he was perfectly nice. He was just boring. Uh, but the one time that he got out of that was when he played a, pre- a pre-generated character. I was running a um, nice test for a drow running a restaurant adventure I wanted to write. <laughs> and I had pre-gens because I was going to run it at Gen Con. And so he just uh, what was he? He was the dishwasher or the cook? I think he was the cook. And yes, because he had a, a slug familiar and like named the slug Esmeralda and like built a whole thing around Esmeralda <laughs> the slug. And like it was the most interesting character he ever played because he had been given a premise and he ran with it. That's funny. See, I've played oracles, I've played bards, I've played monks, I've played rogues, I've played fighters, I played a paladin once, and every single time, no matter what character it is I've played, I somehow twist whatever their abilities are to lawful evil. Somehow. <laughs> don't know how. Like, I had a cleric once, and I had every intention of, you know, just being your good old solid cleric, and at some point, I got frustrated, and I started charging people to heal them. I would keep it. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> fucked up. Have you tried starting out lawful evil and seeing where that goes? So I played an oracle once, which you wouldn't think would really end up down that lawful evil path. And I can't remember what ability in Pathfinder it was that I had, but I was able to convince people to kill each other with my mind. It was like, oh my god. Yeah. So, yeah, I've tried really hard to play outside of my comfort zone, and I somehow always twist whatever it is. Well, I have this thing of every time I play a new game, the first character I always make is a paladin. My my um, my suggestion is to embrace it, and but you can embrace it with a twist. This is my creative take on something you could play that I could think would be a lot of fun. Hmm. So... Everything ends up being lawful evil. Everything ends up being based on your personality and your frustrations and so on and so forth. So make a character that's the cutest, most fucking adorable character ever, and then just play it as yourself. (laughs) You know, like play a character that's like sweet gumdrop princess, rainbow bright mixed with you should go strawberry you, shortcake mixed you should with my go pony. full halfling druid yeah and just like go pink hair and crazy well erica is a halfling druid i know that's what i'm <laughs> saying she should just play a halfling druid <laughs> and go pink hair and crazy well depending on how you want to go with it i was in a game one time where i was playing a lawful evil cult leader who had basically been found out by paladins and And he was in the middle of being like, he was on parole, kind of. Uh, So one of the other party was a paladin uh, who was like his handler. Uh, And so he went around wanting to be lawful evil, but having this specific like curse on him from the Platinum Dragon that if he did evil things, he would like bleed from the eyes and also had this like annoying Boy Scout paladin following him around. And it was interesting because I had an excuse to like have to rein in some of like the awful shit that he would want to do. But also there were, we were playing um, Curse of Strahd. So at one point we found these hags and they made these pastries made out of child bones. Always fun. And we had just like traded her for a bunch of these pastries and then found out they had child bones. And of course everybody's like, oh God, I don't want to eat this now. And he's like, well, hand them over. Come on. 
<laughs> like, no time to get moralizing. The children already died for this. Give them to me. Mm. Uh, one of my favorites, my friend Grant, we were playing, I was playing in the game with him. Uh, he was also a player. We were doing Star Wars, the revised core version, three point, their 3.5 version. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so he was playing a Jedi counselor that was actually a Sith Lord. We didn't know oh, it until no. afterwards. Oh, no. One of the other players in the group had suspicions so he orchestrated with the GM to be captured by his own people and then have it look like he was escaping while we went in to rescue him. <laughs> Amazing. Completely fooled us to the point that <laughs> when he ended up being the bad guy at the end, I had no completely blindsided, no clue. <laughs> it was great. That was great. That's funny. One time um, I was playing against, uh, well, I was playing in a group and one of the characters was chaotic good and he was convinced that I was evil and he was right. But my character did just <laughs> enough things <laughs> and he couldn't prove it. And he got real frustrated, and he was a he was a wizard or something, right, Brian? I don't remember it. I've heard the story so many times, I don't even remember being there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, was it was Matt's character that was constantly trying to to catch me into doing things. It was really fun though because he'd like he'd come up with like all these spells to trap me because I could like dimension door and shit, and he was like, <laughs> it was really funny. It was a good time, I have to say. It was one of one of my favorites. When you're playing against, so you're playing with your group, but you're also playing against your group. Is my point? Is some, yeah. sometimes those are the best games. I actually, I was in a slumbering Sar game, and uh, my first character, I had um, actually I mentioned this uh, before we uh, went live, uh, was a tiefling blood rager who was convinced that she was an orc. Oh yeah. Uh, and whenever she raged, she was like 13 foot tall, like powerhouse, which was great. Except for the fact that no one made a dedicated healer. The only thing we had was a war priest, uh, who of course was like a secondary healer. And about the time that things went sideways and the party made a poor decision, my character was taking on a dark young of Shubnagorath, like one-on-one because she was the only one big enough, uh, which was great, except our healer uh, was dicking around and not doing healing. Oh, no. And my character ended up getting pulled into lots of pieces. Oh, oh no. So I'm like, well, I'll run a healer then. We clearly need a healer. And specifically to spite that one person, I made him secretly lawful evil and like working to corrupt the whole party. I I am curious, um, did any of the original party members survive to the end of the campaign? Uh, we actually never finished the campaign, but uh, no one else, uh, actually no, I was going to say no one else died, uh, but actually we almost had a party wipe, and what happened was that our, our paladin like sacrificed himself, uh, so kind of, everyone lived ultimately to when we were going to like stop playing. Never heard of a Greg Vaughn adventure where everybody survives it. <laughs> yeah, no, I. it was one of the weeks that I was out that they went to go fight a basilisk, and oh. every- Everybody got turned to stone except the paladin. Oh, and no. So, yeah, that that player had to step out anyway, so he made a deal with the GM, and everybody woke up covered in basilisk blood, and the paladin had, like, 
turned evil, like basically made a deal with a demon to like save the rest of the party. Oh, wow. And wow. he was going to be our bad guy, which was impactful because half the party were from the same kind of dwarves. And like okay. one of them was his cousin who looked up to him and uh, one was like, yeah, no, it was a whole thing. So uh, I, I, that's when I met my first deck of many things and I have so <laughs> <laughs> So I like where these tangents are going. To bring it back to creativity, but stay in the same vein. Um, and I'll just throw this at the group and people who have valid answers feel free. Um, what is a situation that you've been in either that a player has done when you're running or that a GM has done when you're playing that you've found to be one of the most creative moments you've ever experienced in a game? Brian, you know my answer. Is it even worth saying? I don't remember stuff, so you got to share it. I mean, I don't know the stuff. Exactly. I probably have heard it, but don't remember it either. So, And I mean, our listeners... All of them have admitted to listening to the show more to episodes more than once on occasion, so they probably want to hear it again. <laughs> so the most creative thing is actually something I did as a character. And it was like it was it was like a last hurrah. We we were so fucked. Brian had us in an underground cave with an iron golem. It's the the, the opposite of an above ground cave. <laughs> Thank you, asshole. (laughs) With an iron golem, um, we had nothing that could touch him, right? We couldn't get past. (laughs) We couldn't hurt him at all. And um, I think we're like level 10 or 11 or something at this point. We we were up there pretty Did you not have a single cast of Create Pit? (laughs) Is this the tree? Is this the tree story? (laughs) This is the tree. Oh. <laughs> so when I created my character, I rolled to get random shit in the beginning. And I got this feather token that would turn yeah. into a tree. Oh, it's my favorite of the feather tokens. And I have been holding on to this son of a bitch like forever. Since and level one. Level one. No idea what to do with this. We're trapped in this cave. We're like, we are literally bleeding to death, dying. And I go, you know what? Fuck it. And my character took the token and threw it at the feet of the iron golem and it grew and it pinned the son of a bitch to the top of the cave and we escaped <laughs> i think it's the only like good use i can personally think of for a feather token uh, or a tree feather token one of the most creative things i've ever seen in a game is i was running um it was one of those free free rpg day adventures and i was doing it in a game shop and um there's a swarm of bats in it and swarms in Organized play, most of the time, they were, like, bad because the way they would be written is a swarm would show up, party wouldn't necessarily have anything prepared to deal with swarms, and this was a introduction to the game adventure. And... Yeah, swarms are just mean. <laughs> well, they're almost always low-level, almost no one has anything to deal with them, even if they know they're coming. And one of the most creative things I've ever seen to deal with swarms, I have seen this done three times now, is... Is they open the door, the swarms initiative happens, and they go, I go, what do you do? And they go, I take my backpack out, I take my bedroll out of my backpack, and I go, okay, that takes your whole turn. Next turn. Okay, grab the other end of the bedroll, let's try to catch as many bats as we can. <laughs> and That's really good. Yeah! 
Because if you think about it as a real life thing versus game rules, that makes sense. That's how people deal with swarms, like even today. Yeah, yeah no, no, that's, yeah, that's like really good. Stuff. That that that's the way you do it. Yeah. Um, the other one, um, the other one in that same adventure that someone did, mm. they so you go in the room and it's basically a cave with bats in it, and they have an exit, but the exit is like they have to go like past the ledge and up, and they freaking just put a little bit of water and oil on a bedroll, lit it on fire, and threw it in the room and shut the door and waited for the bats to leave. <laughs> Smart! <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, man. Uh, I, I, I say I've... over and over again, if you don't think about rules and you just think about what would you do, yeah. you can come up with some good ideas. I've got a great story. Um, in college... My friend Grant and I were playing in a game. Someone else was GMing. It was a homebrew system. For some reason, we had ended up in an underground plane that was uh, a plane of paradoxes or something. It was weird. And one of the only ways out was to find some sort of mythical end to this labyrinth. So our party's traveling. We come across an underground lake. And Grant is playing a bard and does knowledge checks and all this stuff. He goes, all right, uh, I'm going to look around. I'm, I'm trying to see if there's like a war for a pier. And... He goes, all right. And he rolls a decent number. He goes, yeah, you see, there's a there there's a uh, a small jetty that walks out. It's a wooden jetty. He goes, all right, cool. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna walk along the shore until we find a second one. And he rolls, and all right, yeah, there's another one. He goes, okay, does it look anything like the first one? He goes, yeah, they look pretty similar. He goes, all right, so we found a paradox. <laughs> and that ended the session. And, uh... <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's good. Oh yeah. Oh, that's grown worthy. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> The the look on that GM's face. Oh my god. <laughs> Mwah. <laughs> Words cannot describe the look of anguish on his face as he processed what had just happened. <laughs> so good. So we're about out of time. Um and when we run out of time on this show, we always ask our guests, do you have anything you would like to promote? And can you please share how listeners can find your stuff or and reach you if they would like to. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so, uh, the main thing I want to promote, I mentioned earlier that uh, I help run the Gate Pass Gazette. Uh, so that's my main plug. Uh, Ian Publishing does level up their sort of addition to D&D to make it a little bit less combat-y, a little bit more crunchy in some interesting ways. Uh, so if anybody wants to find that, they can just pop over to uh, Ian Publishing and you can join the Patreon to uh, get access to them every month uh, or you can buy them individually. I've looked at some of that stuff. It's quite nice. Uh, and as to where you can find me, um, I am there on their message board. Uh, I am also on Twitter for as long as Twitter exists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at, at Purple Gnomling, no E in Gnomling. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you now. <laughs> uh, you can also follow my bird uh, at Wreck It Remedem. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, she has way more followers than I do for <laughs> obvious reasons. I mean, obviously, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've taken to retweeting her stuff. There you go. Perfect. Hey, <laughs> whatever works, right? Yeah. <laughs> These days, I'm mostly posting uh, what I think would be D&D mechanics for BBC's The Musketeers. 
I love it. Uh, they use so many horse-based deception things that clearly there needs to be a sneaky steed combat maneuver tradition. <laughs> this week is the first time I really use Twitter other than for work or for um, the podcast. I had the feeling that its days might be numbered. Oh, man. So the ship is sinking fast. I oh, went yeah. on. We are and... but the orchestra playing as it sinks. Well, I have a little secret, like, passion on Twitter for fictional character twitter pages those are those are pretty good and there are a few for the characters from supernatural and they all communicate amongst each other and there was a great conversation explaining that uh, what's going on with elon musk and twitter and from their perspectives and i was in stitches is pretty good um is it that elon musk's a leviathan is that where we're going there it i think leviathans were mentioned at one point it, it was basically like explaining who elon musk is to castiel and he's <laughs> 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 nice. so um that is it for, for our show thanks you for a really enlightening conversation it, you know we there was a hell of a backstory behind figuring out what that topic was going to be. And if you would like to hear that backstory, you can go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio, where we do a bonus episode um, for um, minimum of $3 patron. And um, then up from there, we got videos. So, you know, check us out and leave reviews on places and, you know, find us on whatever podcast platform and stuff. And yeah, you can watch Brian's beard grow and see how red my face gets. Yeah. <laughs> And um, this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. I was Super Vegan Brian. I was joined by David. Uh, goodbye, the third, And Kirstie Smurferka. Bye. And our very special guest, Savannah Broadway. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no worries. Good to see you. Stay nerdy. Stay informed. Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Uh, Erica, say goodbye, Brian. Cut her off. No, fuck you, David. <laughs> Show. Will you be the podcast? Will you be the podcast?